Faith forward plus brotherly baldness. No, faith forward plus brotherly kindness. The Greek word Philadelphia, part of a city. That's what Philadelphia means, brotherly kindness. So let's look at our scripture. 2 Peter chapter 1 and verses 5, 6, and 7. This is the sixth out of seven things we are to add to our faith. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. And to virtue, knowledge. And to knowledge, temperance. And to temperance, patience. And to patience, godliness. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, charity. We're adding brotherly kindness. And the Bible says giving all diligence. This isn't natural like osmosis where you just sit there and the sun filters it in. The Bible says you have to make a conscious, a conscious effort to add these things to your faith. So this, this guy writes, I was in a long McDonald's drive through this morning. And the young lady behind me leaned on her horn because I was taking too long to place my special order. You ever get those people that are making their special order? That would be someone I know very well, okay? And it couldn't just be a number three, but it was a number three, add the pickles. Can you make these two special sauces and put together? Could I have half Sprite, half Coke? And put, you know, right, there you go. So this lady behind the guy was leaning on her horn like, beep, and the line was already long. Everyone's you know, hungry, hangry. So uh, I thought to myself, take the high road, take the high road. So he got to the first window and the gentleman who had been honked at paid for the lady's order along with his own order. So then he goes forward and the lady goes to that first window and the cashier must have told this lady what I had done. Because as we moved up, she leaned out her window and did one of those heart signs waved to me and mouthed, you know, thank you. He could tell that she was saying thank you. And she was obviously embarrassed that I had repaid her rudeness with kindness. And so preacher, what's the moral of the story, right? You repay rudeness with kindness, right? <laughs> Not at all. When I got to the second window, I showed the cashier both receipts and took her food too. <laughs> Now she has to go back to the end of the line to start over. The moral of the story, don't honk your horn at people at McDonald's. Say, preacher, I thought we were in a... Oh, yeah, that was a joke for a different Bible study, right? So the joke on revenge, right? So brotherly kindness, not really, right? <laughs> brotherly kindness, that's not brotherly kindness. What is brotherly kindness? Brotherly kindness. Well, have you ever had someone show kindness to you? Just think about it. How did it make you feel when someone did something for you that you didn't deserve, you didn't work for, and it was just nice? Brotherly kindness is that kind of family love. That's why it's called brotherly kindness. It's not the agape love of Christ. That's the next thing. But this is just kind of learning to show uh, kindness around your house. And you know, it's actually harder to show kindness that's why God starts there, because anyone can be nice to a stranger, but it's hard to be nice to that person that you married. So, brotherly kindness from people that you know. I read this. It's an excerpt from a 1972 Guidepost magazine. Has anyone ever read Guidepost? It's really cool. And it's by a Christian. It's a true story, unlike the one at the drive-thru, which probably happens all the time. But anyway, this is a, this is a true story. 
and I'll kind of kind of go through some of it more quickly because it's quite long, but it's by a lady named Corrie Ten Boom. So she and her family used to hide Jews in Holland and because they were being sent to the concentration camps in World War II. And somebody snitched on them. And so she and her family, they were arrested and they were thrown into a concentration camp called Ravensbrück. Her dad died in custody of the Germans. He was an older man. And her sister Betsy ended up dying in the concentration camp. And these weren't Jews. They were Christians. But they were put in this concentration camp for helping the Jews. So after the war, the the Nazis lost the war and she began to preach to Germans. So in 1947, she was at a church and she was preaching about God's forgiveness. And in in a place called Munich. Have you been to Munich? Okay, so she was in Munich, 1947. And it said, uh, she was preaching about how uh, God would cast all of your sins into the depths of the ocean. She said, Hollanders loved ocean themes. And she liked that scripture about in the depths of the sea, just never to be remembered. So she was preaching this and the, the people were dismissing. And then she saw this guy and she writes, a balding, heavy set man. There you go, right? Balding. A balding, heavy set man in a gray overcoat. A brown felt hat he clutched between his hands. And it said, I remembered, she said she saw him, and I remembered him in his SS uniform. He was one of the SS guards in Ravensbrook. And she remembered him and having to take all her clothes off and go by him, and he was a cruel man. And her sister had died under his authority, not at his hands, but at that camp. And he came up to her after the service, and she had just preached the gospel. And so she come up, he, he came up to her, and he, he, he put his hand out. And he said, a fine message, Fräulein, which means ma'am. How good it is to know that, as you say, all of our sins are at the bottom of the sea. And then she said, ha, and I, who had spoken so glibly about forgiveness, she was fumbling in her pocket, but rather than put her hand out. Mm. Forgiveness is easy to talk about, isn't it? He would not remember me, of course. How could he remember me? So he didn't remember her, but... uh, The guard said, you mentioned Ravensbrook. I was a guard in there. And then she said, no, he didn't remember me. But he said, but since that time, I have become a Christian. I know that God has forgiven me for the cruel things I did there, but I would like to hear it from your lips as well. He said, Fräulein, again, the hand came out. She's still fumbling in her pocketbook, right? Will you forgive me? Well, I'm I'm talking about brotherly kindness because that's where it starts, in the heart to forgive. And she said, and there I stood. It could not have been many seconds that he stood there, hand held out. But to me, it seemed like hours as I wrestled with the most difficult thing I ever had to do. This is more difficult than being in a concentration camp is forgiving somebody. Brotherly kindness is, it says, with all diligence, add brotherly kindness. 
She said, for I had to do it. I knew that. You see, because God has this condition on the forgiveness thing. Jesus said, if you do not forgive men their trespasses. Have you ever read that? Neither will your Father in heaven forgive you your trespasses. So it became a salvation issue right there. Forgiveness is a salvation issue. I knew it not only as a commandment of God, but as a daily experience. So uh, she realized that if you couldn't forgive people, you would die a bitter person. And so she stood there and she still had a cold heart and his hand is just held out right there. And it says, but forgiveness is not an emotion. Have you ever had to forgive someone like husband, your wife, child? Have you ever had to ask for forgiveness? It's not an emotion. It's an act of your will. Now that's important to understand. So she prayed, right? Forgiveness is an act of the will and the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. So she prayed, Jesus help me, real silently, right? I can lift my hand, I can do that much, you supply the feeling. And so woodenly or mechanically, can you imagine her hand coming up? It said, I thrust my hand into the one stretched out to me. And as I did, an incredible thing took place. She said it was like a current, like an electrical current, ran down her arm and started in my shoulder, raced down my arm and sprang into our joined hands. And then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. She said, I forgive you, my brother with all my heart. And it said, for a long moment, they grasped one another's hands, the former guard and the former prisoner. I had never known God's love so intensely as I did then. Now she also writes, and having thus learned to forgive in the hardest of situations, I never again had difficulty in forgiving. (laughs) She said, I wish I could say it. (laughs) I wish I could say that merciful and charitable thoughts just naturally flowed from me from then on, but they didn't. If there's one thing I've learned at 80 years of age, it's that I can't store up good feelings and behaviors, but only draw them fresh from God each day. And that's what we need to do. That's why it says giving all diligence. Why? Because first of all, brotherly kindness isn't for someone else. So the first thing I'd like to talk about, that was a 10 minute intro, is brotherly kindness is for you. What do you mean for me? For you. John chapter, first John. So it's the epistle of John, I John. First John chapter three and verse 14. John writes, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. You know where that brotherly love comes from? It comes from the love of Jesus flowing through you. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Now, I'm talk- this is talking about brotherly love, not loving the sinner. This is just talking about people you know. This is the people in your circle, right? And uh, there are seven things we read about that God wants us to add to our faith. Five of them are personal There are things that you work on, right? That's what I'm talking about. You add to your faith virtue. 
the knowledge, the temperance, the patience, the godliness, five things. And that has to do with your personal development. It's to close that character gap between what you are at church and what you are when nobody's looking. Because God thinks that's way more important before you get started on showing the last two things. You know what a ratio is? It's a comparison between one thing and another thing. It's in a relationship that exists between size, numbers, or the amount of two things, and it's often represented by two numbers. So you got a ratio of five things that you do personally, two things that you do outwardly, right? Well, it's interesting because I was reading about this, uh, this theory of the dipper and the bucket. And I've, I've shared this with my wife, and this is difficult, but if you want to try it, it'll be a blessing, right? So this man, Don Clifton, said, especially if you're going to be married at ever, 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 so, or ever have a relationship, ever work with anybody. So the theory of the dipper and the bucket. So a guy named Don Clifton said, everyone has an invisible bucket. We are at our best when our buckets are overflowing. Everyone also has an invisible dipper. In each interaction, we can use our dipper either to fill or dip out of someone else's bucket. And he says, finally, whenever we choose to fill others' buckets, we in turn fill our own. The first thing about brotherly kindness, it's for you. You know what the, the Bible says? Curse not a deaf man. Who cares, right? They can't hear you. It's not because of them. God didn't want them to curse a deaf man. It's in the word of God in Leviticus. He didn't want people to curse a deaf man for their own sake. Not for the deaf person's sake. The first thing brotherly kindness is for is really for us. It's the transition between us. God's always got something for you when he asks you to do something for him. So with this other ratio, I'm going to talk about another ratio. So God's got a five to two ratio on this. What we're talking about are seven things, right? Well, this is a five to one ratio. John Gottman, who is this pioneering research on marriages, suggests there is a magic ratio in your marriage. My wife's smiling. It's like, I have failed this so many times. She needs to really change, right? Make it easier on me. Okay. Five positive interactions with your spouse to one negative. Why? Marriages are more likely to succeed if the ratio was five positive to one negative. Now, I know we all have things with our children, corrections, with our spouses, disagreements. They happen. After you get married, after about one day, they happen. In fact, you might have a disagreement about the cake and not make it out of the, you know, so. But that's okay. Negative or okay, okay? You've got to talk about stuff. But five positive, one negative. Say, preacher, that's just a, a thing, right? No, it's not. So he teamed up with some mathematicians, some to do some, so they got 700 couples. This is the true story. In 1992, they had just got their marriage license, okay? They weren't married yet. And they videotaped these people for 15 minutes. Videotaped them. You know what they did? They counted the positive and the negative amount of reactions. And they made a ratio on each soon-to-be-married couple. And then they made their calculations based on the ratio of positive to negative if they were going to get divorced. And that's kind of serious, right? But 
In 10 years, they followed up with all the couples and they got their permission, right? They were 94% correct. By watching them for 15 minutes before they got married, they could tell with a nine, 94% is pretty good. They give that for an A in school, right? Whew. Scoring on the couple's interactions for 15 minutes. What does that mean? We, we need to have, and I'm not saying five to one, okay? Five to one means long marriage. One to one, you're headed for a divorce, right? That, that's a serious thing. But brethren, the good news is brotherly kindness is what this is all about. If, uh, you know Mary Poppins? She had to correct those kids. Remember that song she said? A spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. Now we all need to take our medicine and we all need to give medicine. Put five teaspoons of sugar to help one medicine go down. One medicine go down. Five teaspoons of sugar to help one medicine go down. Then you'll have the five to one ratio all around. That's not what she said, but that's what he said. Because it's a proof of our salvation. And then I already got that. Let me go to the next thing. This, the next thing. So first of all, brotherly kindness is really for us. It's for us. It'll benefit us. Second of all, it deals with, as Corey Ten Boom, really it deals with forgiveness. It's in our heart. Forgiveness. This, uh, this quote, it says, To dwell above with the saints we love. Oh, that will be glory. To live below with the saints we know? Well, that's another story. <laughs> you know, it's, it's all nice to talk about when we get to heaven, preacher. Well, what about tonight when you get home from church? Forgiveness is the root of brotherly kindness. And this is brotherly kindness. So this, these are people that you have had interactions with. This guard in the Corey Ten Boom introduction, she knew him. She had had interactions with him, all bad, right? <laughs> One, you know, zero positive, 5,000 negative, okay? But Jesus can even correct that ratio. And 1 John chapter 3 and verse 15, whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. See, we can't go to heaven without brotherly kindness. And you know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. You see, forgiveness is a blessing in our relationships. Now, I was reading this thing in marriage when, when forgiveness is needed. There's, there's two things that are the cause, right? The first one is a moral wrong that a spouse has done. And those, those are real, they need real forgiveness, right? But the second thing is that there's a preferential difference between the <laughs> spouses and one spouse takes the preferential difference for a moral failure. They didn't dry and put away the dishes. They've done God wrong. Don't they know you're supposed to do that? No, that's a difference in preference. They let the gas tank go to empty. I always fill mine up when it gets to three quarters. Well, you've probably got obsessive compulsive issues, but hey, those are two Different preferences. I probably am on the obsessive compulsive side. I told my wife, I said, I had half a tank of gas. I'm like, honey. And I didn't have any budget to get gas, right? I couldn't fill my car up. This is recently. So I'm like, 
I had money, but not on my budget, right? And I'm like, I only had this much money and it's not, I raided my wallet. I raided like my, my, I looked for change so I could fill my car up with gas, okay? That is a preferential difference. That's just the preacher, okay? She could probably care less if it goes all the way to Eve. Like, honey, um, we need gas soon. Like, like in five miles, right? So, but look, those are not because she doesn't care. We're different. And you know what? You got to realize that when you're in a relationship, you're going to be dealing with people that are different. You know, I always eat my vegetables first. Good. Some people don't even eat vegetables, okay? But it's okay to be different. And you have to realize that forgiveness has to realize that these people aren't doing me wrong morally. They just do things differently. I've been in the Middle East. You know, if you uh, shake some, if you, if you touch someone with your left hand, my left hand, right? It's a shame. Why? Because actually they use... This is a, an unclean hand. They use it for toilet paper, okay? And I know that's kind of gross, but that's what happens. So they don't use toilet paper. They use water and your left hand. So knowing that, I would know that, look, they're different. And so I don't go up and like rub their kid's head and stuff like that. Just cleaning my hand. No, I don't do that. Because I realize that people are different. Well, our spouses, our friends, our brothers are all different. There was a brother. I, I shut his car door and he said, he had this nice old Mustang. We would go soul winning. This is in Washington State like 20 years ago. I think someone stole the car from a detail shop. He had a nice Mustang 5.0, right? And uh, I shut his door, and my doors are cheap. I had a cheap Subaru, right? So you'd have to shut those Japanese doors, like, otherwise they'd like half shut. But this big old American, like, piece of iron from, you know, Detroit or whatever, you could just kind of slowly shut this big, huge door, right? And if you got your hand in there, you'd probably go to the hospital. And so I shut it like I shut my Subaru door. And he goes, brother, you don't have to shut it so hard. And I realized, oh, difference in preference, right? He said, I realized that we looked at things differently. And I remember that. So I was careful the next time I shut his door. Why? Because Learn to be kind to others' differences. Why? It's a blessing to us. And when we forgive others, the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 7, our prayers actually will go through. Otherwise, we'll just get that little... Don't. No, it doesn't say that. It says that. It says, dwell with your wives according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. That means your Wi-Fi is gone. And you can just pray as loud as you want to shout, and God's like, can't hear you! <laughs> can't hear you! God's waiting for that brotherly kindness. That's true. You can fog up the windows in your car, but God doesn't hear it. So, um, But when we love our brethren, when we love our wives, when we love our husbands, and it's much easier, and I'm joking around and talking about it, much easier to joke around about it. It's harder to do, but it is possible. That's why the Bible says with all diligence. And you know what? I found one thing. If I fill my wife's tank up with positive interactions and I need something, man, jump to it. She'll, she'll jump to it. She might not feel like it, but I won't hear anything except, sure, honey, you know, I'll go make your coffee or cookies. I used to call her and say, is this the cookie hotline? I used to do that and say, yes. Oh, I'd like to order some chocolate chip cookies on the cookie hotline, please. And that's all I ever ordered. 
on the cookie hotline. And that's all the hotline was for, was cookies, right? National security, right? But I'm sure that sometimes she probably didn't feel like making them, but she, she, she didn't really eat them. It was just for me. But thanks for all the cookies, honey. You're a blessing. Amen. So if you fill up your wife, your husband, your co-worker's tank, and you need something, man, they'll want to do something bad for you. It always comes back. You'll reap what you sow. So, but I don't like what's happening. Well, stop sowing that stuff because it's going to come up. Sow something else, right? Amen. So the last thing is for others. So it's for you, forgiveness, and then the actual act. It says in uh, 1 John chapter 3 and verse 16, 17, and 18, Hereby perceive we the love of God. Because he laid down his life for us, we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers, for the brethren. That's the brothers and the sisters. But whoso hath this world's good and seeth his brother have need and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word. Be warmed and filled, brother. I'm so hungry and I got no money because my ATM card doesn't work. Be warmed and filled, brother. God will bless you. You know, that's not really what the Bible is talking about. But in deed and truth. The Bible even talks about one guy. His name is Quartus. And it talks two words about the guy. So Paul writes to the church in Rome. And then he's saying hey to everybody. In Romans chapter 16, verse 23, it says, And Quartus. Have you heard of someone who's the second you know, they're a junior. Someone who's the third, they call him Trey. Well, Quartus is the fourth, right? So I guess they have lots of kids, right? The Quartus, that's what it means, the fourth. And it says two words about him. A brother. Man, what a memorial in the word of God. He's eternally memorialized for being known as being a brother. You know, that's a brother, you know. And it says a lot when someone says that. It's not just what we say at church and throw around that term, but someone's a real brother, that means something. Quartus, a brother. So, um, there was this old lady on a bus, you know, the kindness of strangers, and uh, the, the driver was kind of groaning, and the old lady said, What's wrong, young man? So well, I'm so hungry. So uh, about 10 minutes later, the old lady taps him on the shoulder and said, here's some peanuts. And uh, he says, thanks. And so he eats them and he feels a little bit better. And about 10 minutes later, young man, said yes. Here's some more peanuts, a little handful of peanuts. And uh, after a while, you know, five or six times the long bus ride, the, the guy's feeling better. He's not as hungry, but he said, uh, ma'am, why don't you eat them yourself? And the old lady said, I can't chew them. I got no teeth. And she opened her mouth. She, hadn't, she didn't have any teeth. And so the driver said, well, ma'am, why do you buy them? The old lady said, oh, I just love to suck the chocolate covering off them. <laughs> Sisterly kindness. <laughs> so I'd like to leave you with this. And really brotherly kindness, it's not, it's not that difficult as you think it is. It can be a little thing. Yeah, if you can't eat those peanuts, right? Give them away, right? But brotherly kindness is for you, and brotherly kindness is really not a deed. It's from the heart. It's forgiveness. And then you just do something. You do something. And it can be just, hey, God bless you. You can pray for someone. That's brotherly kindness. But it's an act that comes from the heart 
and it solidifies who you are in God. <laughs> so I want to close with this. Um, so this, this, do, this man who later became a doctor, last name is Kelly. He was going through uh, on a walking trip in northern Pennsylvania, and he stopped at a small farmhouse, is the true story, for a, a drink of, uh, of water because he's thirsty. And this is probably in the late 1800s. There's no 7-Elevens around. So a little girl answered his knock, and instead of fresh water, bought him, brought him a glass of fresh milk. And that's really good if you're thirsty, too. So after a short, friendly visit, he went on his way. Some years later, the same little girl who had grown up came to him for an operation. He became a doctor. Just before she left for home, her bill was brought into the room, and across its face was written in a bold hand, Paid in full with one glass of milk. And if you read about Dr. Kelly, he wrote off her bill, but he also did so with three out of every four patients that he treated. Quite a man if you read about him. But with heads bowed and eyes closed, let's dismiss.